like you said, my, my name is Jazz, and my um, story with Activate is actually very short. I've kind of been around for about two years. This is my third weekend, and I'm just kind of getting to know the team and being part of, of what we do. But I, I love what we do uh, in equipping and training people. Uh, so I'm going to share a little bit of my story and hopefully in the sharing of my story and some of the things that I've done and some of the other stories that I talk about, uh, that will inspire us to uh, fulfill the mandate uh, that is in, in the Bible. We've got it in Galatians 3.28 uh, where Paul writes and he says, There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And the fact that you're here at all today in this particular seminar is because there's something of you that understands the heart behind the verse, that we are all called, all the whole world is called up and caught, needs to be caught in loving Jesus. And it's not just about, and I don't really want to say it, bearing in mind that I'm Indian and I'm standing in front of you, <laughs> but it's not about being white and middle class, but that every person uh, from you know, whatever age to whatever age, from whatever colour and every shade of black and every shade of whatever, and every, you know, all men and all women, they are all called to love Jesus. And we have a mandate to help people meet Jesus who takes them and puts them with the Father. And so I kind of, that's, so the fact that you're here, I know that you've got something of that understanding. So my job is, I'm a full-time evangelist, that's what I do, and I've been part of our church, I've been serving our church for the last 20 years in that capacity, in, in different guises. Um, so I've been in ministry 22 years, and I grew up in Wimbledon, and Wimbledon is this nice, no, let me start back, I grew up in India, moved to Wimbledon, raised as a Sikh, at 12 years old I became a Christian. That is another story for another day. I'm not going to share that story with you today because if I give you all my best stories, I won't get invited back. <laughs> and I kind of feel that's not fair, so I'm going to just hang that out there. And uh, but so at 12, I came to know Jesus. Uh, I started out in ministry, and Wimbledon is a nice, comfortable, beautiful place to live. It's trendy, it's cool, it's the edge of London. Um, and uh, I loved it, I loved it. And in my mid-twenties, when God began to call me out and I, and I felt this sense of calling and wanting to work for a church, uh, and there was a group of us at Wimbledon at the time that we were all sensing that call. And one of my friends got called to Australia and I was like, oh wow, that's a calling. I wonder if God will call me somewhere that far. I'm like, I could go and serve God in Australia. And I'm like, that'd be cool. And another one of my friends got called to the Philippines. And I'm like, well, I don't know much about the Philippines, but maybe God might call me to the Philippines. And I'm like, okay. And then another one of my friends got called to India. And I was like, well, that'd be easy, wouldn't it? Because, you know, I can speak the language. Fine, I could go to India. Like, I had this heart. I wanted to go and serve. And then another one of my friends got called to Hawaii <laughs> and when my calling came it was to Croydon <laughs> to Croydon I mean so Wimbledon is 20 minutes from Croydon but they are worlds apart and if you come from Wimbledon you do not move to Croydon unless God says and when I lived in Wimbledon, I had this lovely, nice southwest London accent. I now live in Croydon, and it's proper South London, in it, fam? 
That's pretty much how I speak, bruv. And I drop all my T's and my H's because I've been there 20 years and that's what happens. And, um, and they say about Croydon, there's a verb, uh, to Croydonise a town is to ruin it with large grey concrete buildings. Oh, no. That's the kind of words that are spoken <laughs> over the place in which I live. And the first year that I was there was possibly my hardest year ever of living in Croydon. So uh, I just struggled with it all. I struggled with the fact that I'd left this nice place. I struggled where I just couldn't get Croydon, didn't get it. And it was about a year, and I, and I moved there because God was very clear on the different words that he'd spoken to me. But I moved there, and um, about a year in, I suddenly realised this. But in Croydon, we have the Home Office. And therefore, that means that in a very real way, the nations of the world come to Croydon. And if I am faithful with the call that God has put in my life, that actually the message of Jesus could get to the very ends of the earth from a little place called Croydon. And that blew me away when I began to realise that actually what, what we're really called to and that the nations that are on our doorstep, I got excited. And, um, and actually, so for the last 20 odd years, that's what I've been doing, serving. So we have a very diverse church. It's, a, it's every, it is literally every colour, every race, every nation, every tribe. How do we reach people that, don't, that aren't like us is a big question. And I think there are three fears that stop us from doing that. And I'm going to look at that. But the first fear I would say is... The first fear that stops us from talking to people that don't look like us is one that I think many of us, it's probably, it probably is applicable to anybody, it's that fear of rejection. Yeah. That fear that if I approach somebody, they are not going to like me. If I approach somebody, they're going to be disdainful of me or they're, gonna be, they're just going to ignore me. Can I just say that 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 God has put in you is so precious and so beautiful and actually ridiculously attractive. If you remember nothing else from this talk, you've got to know that 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 God has put in you, the Holy Spirit, he who lives inside of you is, is beautiful and people are drawn to it whether you like it or not. You, they are drawn to it. They see something of Jesus in you at the bus stop, at the school gate, on the train, in your workplaces, even when we get it wrong. And that's one big thing that I must stress. It's one of the, my favourite verses in scripture. It's the one in Philippians 3, 8, which talks about shining like stars in the universe. And it talks about, and, I, and God really spoke to me through that verse. He showed me that back in the day, sailors navigated around the, the world using the stars in the sky. And that's, they knew where they were in the seas. They knew where they were geographically because they could look at the stars in the sky. And that verse talks about the fact that our lives need to be such that when people look at us, they would know how to navigate, how to live, even when we screw up and even when we get it wrong. And in fact, even when we get it wrong, when we go and put it right and we make the apology and we do it well or we do the confrontation well, all of that models to people how to live. And so when we're inclusive and when we invite people and include people into our families, we are modelling something huge that the world doesn't know. 
Well, they do know, but they don't know how to do it. And we do, because God's given us uh, a way of doing it. So, yeah, I think we do worry about a fear of rejection um, from people that look like us and people that don't look like us. The other fear that I want to address is the fear of um, we don't approach people because we're worried about getting it wrong. We think we're just going to, or we'll say the wrong thing, or we'll serve the wrong food, or we'll, uh, we won't know what to do. Do we put our hands together? Do, you know, um, we worry about those. Sort of, we're women. We do worry about that sort of stuff. My mind works overtime about that sort of stuff. And the third thing, which I think is one that is possibly the easiest one that I want to deal with, is the, the worrying about the fact that if we enter a world, say we had to enter a temple or a mosque or something else like, like that, uh, we worry about the negative spiritual influence that might have on us. Um, and I'm going to unpack all of those as I talk this afternoon. Uh, I'm going to tell some stories because I think that's the most helpful way of understanding what I'm trying to say. Uh, Ten years ago, so I have two sons, they are now 18 and 16. Uh, We adopted them about 12 years ago. Uh, So they were six and four when they came to us and they have all sorts of stuff, all sorts of incredible stuff that happens with adopted children, with all children, but especially with adopted children. But um, when my eldest was in year four, so he was eight, I walked him up to school on the first day that term, and a new teacher in the school. And as I walked in, I uh, realised that she was head to toe in hijab. Now, not unusual in Croydon, that happens everywhere, but I'd not seen it in school. And when a teacher in a very, you know, when a teacher wears head to toe hijab, that was a new thing. And there was something that rose up in me, and I'm like, oh, how do I handle this? Because if you, if you look at me, you'll know that I'm Indian. The Indians will look at me, even by looking at me, they can tell I'm Sikh, or was Sikh, I should say. And I can look at somebody and presume they're Hindu or Muslim or from their name. You can tell those things if you happen to grow up in that culture. You don't need to know that, it's okay. So I'm looking at this lady and she's looking at me, she's probably gonna assume I'm a Sikh. And I'm looking at her going, you're gonna be teaching my son for a year. And I'm, I wonder what you're gonna be teaching them. What kind of influence are you going to have on my son? In that moment, I decided she was going to be my friend. That was it. I was going to make this woman my friend. And, and I'm quite good at being inclusive, and I'm quite good at drawing people into my world. And actually, she was really nervous. But we ended up being, becoming quite good friends. And in that year, we had the, our dedication for our children. So because normally, we'd have dedications when they're babies. But because they were um, adopted, it was a bit later. So we had the dedication, so we invited her to the dedication. She came to church that day, head to toe in a hijab. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> welcome. And, um, and then we had a barbecue afterwards, and she stayed, she was the last person to leave. Now she had a girl who was the same age as my son, didn't have her husband or a partner, I didn't know the whole story at that point. Uh, at the end of the year, you know, we said our goodbyes, but we stayed friends. Facebook is great for that. I love Facebook for the fact that you can stay virtual friends. And every now and again, with me. And then about two or three years after that, she said, she said to me, Jazz, I'm, I, she, re- she began to retrain as a lawyer. She goes, I've set up a women's organisation uh, for reaching Muslim women. Would you come and be a speaker at my organisation? <laughs> at my, and I'm looking at her and I'm like, Gaylan, you know that I'm a Christian. <laughs> she goes, yeah, but you'll have something to say, won't you? And I'm like, mm-hmm. So actually I did go and I shared the five love languages. I don't know if many of you have any of you. So I just taught that as a tool, as the five love languages. 
languages. Anyway, that was just a small group. It was no bigger than this. Somebody in that group said to me, Jazz, I'm involved in a slightly bigger organisation. Would you come and just teach the same thing to my bigger organisation, all Muslim women? And so I went and taught the five love languages <laughs> to like a rumble. Um, wow. I mean, it was just really weird. <laughs> and, then, and then, and everybody was very nice to me. And then, anyway, so over the years, we've stayed in touch. And I've spotted that she's not a head to toe in a hijab anymore, just a headscarf. And then recently, I've spotted that she's not wearing the hijab anymore. And literally last week, she sends me this message. It goes like this Fancy meeting for a coffee, Jazz. And I'm like, Yeah, if you like. And I suggested some dates. She goes, Oh, I can't make those because um, they all clash with my life group. And I'm like, What? So I wrote back a message saying, something you want to tell me? So it turns out that somehow in the last few weeks, she has become a Christian and joined a church down the road from in Thornton Heath. It's a little bit further from where we live, but near where she lives. And, um, and I don't know what the story is. I can't wait to meet her for coffee to coffee and find out the whole story. Uh, but what excites me about all of that is this. One is... Back then, 10 years ago, I purposed in my heart that she was going to be my friend. And when you are somebody's friend, that's a choice you make. It's not a covenantal relationship that you have like with your, your husband or whatever, but it's a choice that I made that she would be my friend no matter what, and that I wasn't going to let her outward appearance stop me from being her friend. More importantly, when, you, when you're friends with somebody, you choose to include them in your world. So my world was a dedication, and my world was a Christmas carol service. And, my, and actually, if you ask people to come to you, when they ask that you go to them, you say yes, mm. without fear. You say, yes, I will come to whatever it is. And I also, she had, actually, she got pregnant again later on. I went to their baby shower and all the rest of it, and various things. So, you know, when I got invited, I said yes to the opportunity, without fear. And, um, and the other thing that's really important to notice is that other people have been obviously speaking to Gaylan and ministering to her. I'm just a little yeah. bit of a story. In, I'm a little bit of a, a thing in her story. I'm not the be all and the end all, but I've got to be a part of her story. And when she shares her testimony, I have no doubt that she will talk about the fact that she came to our children's education and that I'm a friend of hers because I know that I've spoken to her about it, but I never got to reap. I definitely got to sow, and I'm definitely going to get to hear more yeah. of what happened. And so I guess my heart is, is that what I'm trying to say, which is what Becca said really beautifully, which is what Sarah reminded us of this morning, um, was that whole thing of including people in your world yeah. and shining like a star in your world. Um, so another way of me trying to help explain that is um, we... Um, so Tim and I, when we first got married, we moved into the middle of our council estate. So just where we live, there's a, uh, that's where us as a church we ministered into. We got our house right in the middle. We wanted to be part of that community. And, uh, and we looked around and said, what are we going to do here in this, in this particular council estate? And there was an older couple, and she was a bit of a mover and a shaker on the estate. That's the only way of describing it. She was like part of the residence committee, and she was part of this and part of that. She was probably, oh, well, she is, she's 25, uh, 26 years older than me. Uh, her children were more, more my age then than I was her age. But Tim and I just knew that we needed to include them in our world. So this couple, Mick and Elaine, uh, so they're white, 
older than us, when we were young 20 year olds or whatever we were, we wanted to include them in our world. And I didn't know how to make that happen, except that every time she put on a residence thing, I went and supported it. And we'd go, we'd drag people to it, and say, look, we're gonna support this. The other thing that I wanna pick up from that is that I'm not a prayer. I'm not one of these people that can go into her room and spend hours on her knees before God and intercede, and I know people do. I'm just not wired that way. But I do like to pray all the time. So I'm walking and praying. So one of the things that I purposed in my heart was that every time we drove off the estate, we would drive the long way off the estate and we would drive past her house. And in order to drive past her house, I would pray, pray for her. And so she might get prayed for two, three, four times a day because we're often driving off the estate. But that was just something that I had purposed that we would do that. It took 10 years. And um, in that time, she became agoraphobic. Um, and so we, we talked to her about what we could do. And she said, I want to do a craft club. So we set up a knit and natter just for her. And uh, there was three or four ladies from the church. We would do knit and natter with her. And she would hear all about the church. About two years we did that with her. And then she um, uh, came one, one Wednesday and she just said, Jazz, I think I'd like to try church on, on Sunday. So she rocked up to church on Sunday. Uh, there was a word of knowledge. Her husband couldn't walk in. He was, he was literally bent over double. He brought her into church. Word of knowledge about a bad back. He was healed. Absolutely freaked out. Spent the whole week telling anybody he would meet <laughs> that church is spooky. Um, <laughs> we're not, just to be clear. The, um, the, the thing about that, they, they came for a few months. And then after a few months, she, uh, she sat in her room. So she was hearing stuff. She sat in her room, and this was her prayer of commitment. I've been using, dear Jesus, I've been using your facilities for quite a while now. I think I'd like to get on your bus. Oh. <laughs> that was her prayer of commitment. No, I hadn't given her any language. I hadn't given her a, like a, um, oh, this is the Why Jesus booklet and the prayer at the end. It was just what she was picking up from us. And then... Um, Two or three weeks later, her husband also came to know Jesus as well. But I remember driving her home the week after she got saved, and she, and she said these things to me. She says, Jazz, I've sent Mick out to buy a Bible. I hadn't told her that she needed to read the Bible. She goes, Jazz, I need to join a, a life group, so how do I do that? And I'm like, oh, okay. And she goes, and, and um, I understand I've got to give money. How do I do that? And I'm looking at her going, and then she goes, Jazz, it's like I've been born all over again. And, um, and I hadn't given it any of that language. But this is what I realized, that for the 10 years that we'd been their friends, and for the 10 years that we'd been including them in our world, and doing things with them, and going to their things they're putting on, we were discipling them. We got to show them how to live. They were observing our lives. They knew that we went to house group. They knew that we read the Bible. They knew that we gave money. And so they'd already picked up. And so the minute they got to the point of faith, it all fell into place for me and it suddenly made sense. So what I'm, people don't, don't look like us, so she was much older than me and she was white. So for me, that's somebody different. Mm -hmm. And it's that whole thing of understanding that actually what you have inside of you is so utterly beautiful that people are drawn to it anyway. And it crosses race, it crosses gender, it crosses age. And we are who we are. We are called to be missionaries. We are called to make disciples in the place that God has put us in.
As a church, we have um, uh, we have a community centre, uh, which was kindly given to us by the council, which is very nice. Thank you very much. We've been for 25 years, and our responsibility was to make it the hub of the community. We're about six years into our 25 years. Uh, I think it should take me nicely up to retirement, hopefully. <laughs> um, we're about six years into it, and. Um, we put a, a cafe into this, this building, but because it's a community centre, we have a responsibility to get people using it. We can't, we can't like stop people from using the building, so if they want to hire it, there's got to be a, a good reason so we don't have under 18 parties or 18 parties and 21st and so So there are good reasons, but we got approached um, very early on from the local um, Muslim association that's near our area because the nearest mosque is quite some way away. And it was a shopkeeper's, and they said, well, we haven't got anywhere to meet for a mosque and for Friday prayers. Can we use your building? And it was a really interesting moment there, because um, we're like, oh, oh, what happens now? And, uh, and we're like, well, we can't stop them. And, uh, and there was just this moment of realization. And so, yeah, we opened the doors. We have a, we have a mosque in our building every Friday. We have 150 men, and it is 150 men, that come to our building every Friday. My husband manages the building, that's, that's his job, he's, he's a centre manager, and on a Friday morning, he goes around and he sneakily prays all over the building. Doesn't do it sneaky, actually, it's quite obvious about what he's doing. <laughs> and, um, and we have Ramadan, and they have that, we're opening the building up all night for them to have their prayers during the night. And I remember telling this story in a different context, and literally the air left the room as I told this story. They're like, what are you doing? Isn't that a holy place? Isn't that where you worship God? And it really spoke to me of their fear. Because if you are worrying about the fact that they might bring something in, what you are ineffectively saying, they, our Muslim friends, what you are ineffectively saying is my God can't deal with any of that. Mm -hmm. That my God is so small that he could not deal with any influence. That's not true. My God is big and any influence that is uh, ungodly, my God can deal with. And actually we get 150 men who think that we're brilliant. They've been to our carol services, they bless us, they, we get to bless them, we've got good relationship with them. Um, and I'm waiting to see what will happen. But, but my story also is that when I meet people, it seems to be a long time before they come to faith, on average about 10 years. So I've got four more years to go with these Muslims. Helen's looking at me longer. <laughs> but, you know, you stick with people. It's including people in your world. It's not being a friend. It's not about getting more notches on your evangelism post. That's really not what it's about. It's about being genuine, authentic, real friends um, and so yeah so I get excited that we have uh, we have these guys that come every Friday and what's now happened is that they come Friday lunchtime for their prayers but Friday morning our coffee shop is filled with all of their wives and they come for coffee in the mornings so I get to hang out with them in the mornings because I just just blatantly just rock up and just sit down with them and start talking to them. I, I fully understand that I am weird like that. I, I do understand that, that that is a weirdism that is on, on my part. Uh, um, most people wouldn't just 
walk into a group of people having a conversation and expect to join in. I fully, I, I just, I just do. Um, Excuse me, Jess, who made you? God. That's okay. That's right. <laughs> well, no, no, that, that's how he made me. But, but and I'm happy with how he made me. But I do understand that I don't want that, I don't want that to be intimidating to anybody. That that is a that is my 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 way of doing it. We all have a different gift, different talent, different abilities. And we all get to play a part in somebody's story, in somebody's journey, uh, and we do it with the, the the bit that God gives us to do. So I'm good at that bit. But you know, you'd never get me to sing in a band. You just wouldn't ever get me to do that. It would be painful and difficult. So you kind of know, you know, you, you kind of know what your talents and your gift mix is. And you may be people that, that love hours praying and will pray for people. So my point of telling sorry, the Elaine story was that actually I think everything that we do needs to be underpinned with prayer. Yeah. And, um, and so if you're a prayer, fantastic. If you're like me that likes to just pray regularly, often as you're walking along, fantastic. But I would want you to absolutely cover people in prayer, people that, that are around you, that you see, that you know. Even if it's that same person that you see on your daily commute, and you just you notice that person, and you can just pray a prayer of blessing over them. Sometimes I just do that. I just get in my car, I'm driving along, and I spot people, I'm just praying for them. Because I just think that's funny. Think, oh, they're going to have a really good day. <laughs> God's going to meet with them. God's going to show up. Jesus is going to encounter them. And that's, that's kind of how I do it. But that's okay, because this, this is my shape. It's how you do it. So I think the fear of... Um, someone talked to me yesterday about how my story between the ages of 12 and 18. My mum didn't let me go to church. So I used to sneak read my Bible and I used to pray silently in my head because I didn't know what else to do, but that's what I needed to do. And, uh, but I went to temple all of that time because my mum was very religious, expected me to go to temple, and I went to temple Wednesday afternoons, Thursday afternoons, Saturday nights, Sunday afternoons. I was always at temple. But in all of that time, from the age of 12 to the age of 18, till mum sort of gave up, all of that time, I was a child. And I could walk into that place because the one who breathed this world into life, the one who, by his very words, made all of this happen, was the one that was protecting me. So I don't want you to be ignorant. Of course there are negative influences. Of course we have an enemy. But the one who has won it all for us has won it all for us. So we don't have that fear. We don't need to worry about that. Um, I've only got a few minutes left, and I probably stirred a few things, but I probably hadn't answered any of your questions. So I am just wondering, there, is there anything that you'd like to ask that you think, actually, just would you just explain that? Or maybe it's a particular group of people that you're ministering to or want to minister to, or you want doors to open for. I'd love to be able to answer that. Don't look at me blankly. Mm-hmm. Rachel. How do you deal with people in church who just think, well, I'm going to have to leave church because you've invited these people in and I can't cope with it? Is there anybody that has think? And then how do you balance that? Like, because there'll be some people who think, I just, that's two step, uh, two, a step too far for me. Yeah. I can't cope with the fact that they're in there and I, it's, not, it's not just a house of God. So how do you deal with them? Do you then think, 
I'd rather keep them as part of the family and you've got to smooth them and make them feel okay, or do you just accept, well, that, that's their choice, they're going to go? So genuinely, we didn't lose anyone through that, but we taught well. So we taught well on a Sunday, and we teach well on a Sunday morning about being inclusive, including, uh, and, and you know, we, we, it's not just obviously the, the culture and the colour and the religion and the, you know, whether you're Polish or whatever, but also those that are same-sex attracted, those that are, are struggling with their own, you know, various different identity issues. We teach about how you include people into your world. And accept people because Jesus accepts. Can you just give us like a tip we can do to break into the community? So in our church, we do quite a lot with refugees as well, like we were saying. And I've had them couples to my house, but I find they'll come because they're polite. But I, I, I struggle sometimes to break past the polite, come with all the family meal. I, I can't get past that one step. So. How can I break into that in, in a way that's sort of not, you know, we want to help you again, we want to help you again. More like a friendship rather than, oh, we're helping with this and that, we're helping with this. How do we get to that next stage? Genuine friendship, really. Mm. It really is. Um, when I teach on Sikhism and how to reach Sikhs, uh, I talk about the fact that when a, a Sikh person gets converted, uh, they will need family. Right, yeah. And you need to be family for them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You, 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 I, I can't stress that word enough. I just think, mm-hmm. you know, God gave us that pattern, didn't he? And he gave us, he made male and female, and he, 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 he ordained it in such a way that that's what happens. Mm-hmm. And we call him father. And so family is, is this thing. Um, so I can't get away from that. And it's just, just keep on pressing mm-hmm. and pressing and pressing and including them, noticing them giving them eye contact, loving them. Can I answer that? Yeah. Is that okay? Because I actually, I think I was talking about something we were talking about earlier, that um, I work with people with additional needs, and in the same way, people can think, well, they need help, support, and do, but they actually need somewhere where they can give, and that could be quite mm-hmm. releasing. So although we don't want to be churches that are saying, oh, come to us and we need you, and you must join this rota, mm-hmm. actually we say, oh, I think you might get on well with this person yeah. or perhaps you'd like to do coffees because you'll get to know that little group yeah. and try and find little ways because yeah. it's very good as well. very very good really really hard did everybody hear that yeah yeah. Yes. yeah no really good that's a brilliant way of doing it i haven't got an answer for that one rihanna yes. but it's, it's one of those things i i'm finding comes a family but i can't get to know her it is it's all quite protected like um Feel. So I still do the family stuff, but I just can't get past. So having that relationship with her, it's all seems like quite a few males. Actually. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's where only prayer is going to break yeah, through and get to to know that person. Thank you. Cool. Oh, sorry. Probably a question for a longer time, but is there a way of um, challenging other people's challenges of their life, but speaking to someone about their beliefs? You know, if someone is, um, is speaking to you about their beliefs, about, um, about what Muslims speaking to you about what they believe, how do you deal with that? You just nod and accept it. You would never yeah. say, oh, that isn't what we um, how, do you move, how do you move past that? I. It's that. It's the passage in scripture which talks about letting your 
good deeds shine before men so that they will praise your Father in heaven. Um, and you can, there, it's a really, it's a fine line, isn't it? But if somebody was talking to me about what they believe and their math, you know, what, what was important to them, I would not ever want to criticize them or say they were wrong or judge them or even have an arrogance to want to, to correct them. Um, but at the same time, like Sarah said this morning, they've got a story and so have you. And so you can tell your story because in the same way that you can't argue with their story, they also can't argue with yours. And so you allow, and then you allow the Holy Spirit to do the work. And so, I, so Gail Ann, that first story I told, like I have no idea what happened, but I know that for 10 years she's observed my life. And I know that I've, I've never told her the gospel. I have never had the opportunity to reap in, into her life, but somebody else got to. And, and I'm gonna find out more, and one day I'll tell you the end of that story. <laughs> Article, article. Sorry? <laughs> it will be, won't it? It will be an article for Activate. Well, are, there, is, are there any more questions? Mm -hmm. Some of my friends that have Buddhists into shamanism, yeah. um, we have great conversations because they're really comfortable talking about spirituality and they think it's cool that I'm a Christian yeah. which is weird and different. Mm -hmm. But I don't know how to how to engage with the, hey, it's all okay, um, and, talk about, and talk about Jesus, I suppose. And I'm, I'm not quite putting it. No, I understand what you're trying to say, yeah. yeah. And I genuinely think that's why I chose, the two stories that I chose were that I chose ones that took 10 years. I didn't choose the ones that took a few minutes because, I, as I said right at the beginning, when you include someone in your world, it's a genuine friendship. Yeah. And actually, they may have that conversation with you for 20 years, 30 years. Our responsibility is to, to be Jesus to them, to make disciples. It's God's responsibility to do the converting. That's got nothing to do with us. So God, God does that bit. You just need to be faithful with the bit that God's given, given to you. Mm -hmm. And if, if the bit that God's given to you is this little open door and you just get to be their friend and you get to, to I don't know what you do with, with these, have coffee with them, I don't know. That's great. You're being faithful. Your life is being observed. No, no, no. It's fantastic that you've got friends that have different belief systems. It's fantastic that you get to share something of your story with them. You get to pray for them, you know, whether they know it or not. But, you know, if there's a situation, I'd hope that you'd offer prayer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And normally, most people are very. Ex In 30 odd years of me being a Christian, maybe not, I don't know how long, I've lost count. Um, I've only ever had one person say no to prayer. People are very accepting of prayer. Very, very accepting. It's easy to say, oh, I'll pray for you. And then you judge, don't you? Shall I pray for you there and then? And you, 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 you have to just use a bit of discernment at that point. Yeah. Or you think, or you just say, I will pray for you later on. Just depending on the, on the circumstance and where you are. But yeah, I've never had one person, one person in 30 years. That's another story, I'll tell you another time. Mm -hmm. So we have just two minutes. I'm, I'm obviously around all weekend, so please come and talk to me. Um, I couldn't give you much more than that, but I've just got a couple of minutes, and I would just love to pray, particularly over those three areas of fear, if that's okay. Just pray for all of us. Is that all right? So I'm just going to invite the Holy Spirit to come. 
Father, I want to thank you for every uh, person in this room this afternoon. And I know that they're here because there's something of, of understanding that you have called all men and all women to yourself. Father, I ask you to just come and begin to minister to one after another now. Holy Spirit, just come. And where fear rises up and stops us from inviting people into our world, just break that now in Jesus' name. Well, Father, I pray for your, um, that, that, that that causes us to include people in our world, that desire to become friends with people that don't look like us, to grow in us. And Father, as we go home from here, I pray that you would give us divine appointments, that we would find more people that we want to include in our world. Father, I pray particularly for Rhiannon and that family that she's... Uh, working with it there the incredible breakthrough father that that has stopped a real relationship for me would now be broken father i pray that for every single one of us that is just wanting breakthrough relationships with people that we know that we can go deeper and that we can be more honest and more real and have more authentic friendships father would you use us powerfully to minister to those that are around us so that we can be mums and sisters and grandmas and daughters to those that are around that Father we're able to speak the truth as we share our story that we model what it is to love you we model what it is to be part of our local church we model what it is to be serving We model what it is to be a disciple. Yeah, come Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for great encouragement, even from this afternoon. Father, I pray for fruitfulness for every single woman here. Real fruitfulness in the area of seeing real breakthrough in our culture. Seeing our churches transformed one person at a time. Thank you so much.